Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we were in the Philippines for a couple of months, and now we're here in Taipei, Taiwan, exploring Taiwan for the first time ever. And we're going to be exploring uh, both Taipei and uh, circling around the island as well. Uh, so make sure you check out our blog for a lot of pictures, videos, and of course, uh, uh, blog posts, and of course, we're doing a podcast as well as we travel. And uh, because we travel and we work, we might not have the perfect Wi-Fi. So apologies if there's any Wi-Fi hiccups or lags. As usual, you know, uh, that's part of the game. As a digital nomad, you'll never have perfect Wi-Fi. Uh, so on today's show, I actually have someone who I've known for several years online, but I haven't had a chance to meet in person yet, even though we're both based in, in the Philippines, he's based in Cebu, in the Visayas, and I'm based in uh, near Manila in uh, Luzon. And we're both in the Philippines, so I'm sure one of these days, a path will cross, as they say, IRL, in real life. So I, I guess today his name is Justin Carmack, and he is a professional scuba diver, professional blogger. He is the founder of Art of Scuba Diving, Art of Scuba Diving, a great website to equip and inspire you to travel around the world and dive some of the most incredible uh, coral reefs and dive sites in the world. And uh, out of our 400 plus episodes, I never ever covered scuba diving yet. I can't believe it's taken me over 430 episodes to finally cover this topic. So Justin's definitely the guy to talk to about this. Justin, how are you doing over there in Cebu, Philippines today? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. The Wi-Fi is not amazing, but uh, we'll try to work through it. Yeah, you know, it's part of the journey, part of the fun. Anyone who's traveled and worked and anyone who's been in the Philippines will know the Wi-Fi is not very good in that particular country. But hey, it's all part of the journey. Uh, so, Justin, why don't we hear a little bit about your story before we get into a blog and about diving. We love to kind of break down um, our guest story. So, trace it back and tell us a little bit more about yourself, Justin. Um, I don't know how far you want to go, but you can go all the way to pregnancy. You were a little womb in the womb onwards. <laughs> well, my great grandparents met, and then no, just kidding. Um, I guess my my story would be when I started traveling in 2010. I went on a university trip to Southern Africa, and I ended up staying. It's like the same story that every travel blogger has. Uh, I didn't go home, now, but now it's been like eight years. Um, I, got, I got certified for diving in Mozambique and after my classmates left and I just traveled from there. I didn't have any money, but I just hitchhiked and I worked at dive centers like all through Eastern Africa, Southern Africa. Then I got to Euro uh, Asia, just all over. And then I ended up in Europe eventually and started a blog and after about six months it really took off and I didn't have to work anymore at, you know, at hostels or dive centers and it just made me travel even more. So then I went to Egypt, I did more training, I got up to dive master and did some tech diving and um, some more trips and just basically, uh, learning underwater photography and showing my readers that I had gained over time uh, what it's like diving around the world because most Americans dive in Cancun or Bahamas or whatever. And to me, that's really, really poor representation of diving. Uh, so they kept asking me where to go, where to go, and wanting to see where I'm going. 
And so I eventually came up with a list of the top 100 dive locations, and I just started chasing that kind of, uh, just trying to make videos and explore the top 100 locations in the world. And that's just kind of where it's gone on from there. And that, that that's what brought me to Philippines uh, in the first place. Well, you know, obviously Philippines has some incredible dice uh, spots and you have the perfect location to explore the Philippines, Asia, and, you know, Australia and that area of the world. Uh, so tell us about uh, some of your favorites. Uh, there's kind of objective uh, and the subjective. So tell us the difference. What objectively makes a good dive site and what subjectively for you personally makes a good one? Well, this is always, this always starts a debate every time I say this because if you're from South Africa, you're going to say it's South Africa. If you're from Florida, you're going to say Florida. Um, so I've only been to maybe 35, 36 of the top 100 so far. I mean, I've dove all over the world. That are, depends on what you like. But my top favorite places, obviously the Philippines. It's kept me here over a year, being based here at least, you know, in and out. And uh you got Dalwin in the Philippines, which is underwater photographer and videographer's dream. It's got some of the most rare species in the world, like frogfish, flamboyant cuttlefish, um, mimic octopus. Uh, I could bore you all day, but really, really rare and endangered species. And I even took a, a frogfish specialty course with Patty. I'm a, I'm a Patty ambassador, so they send me like I, I, sometimes I just take random courses of theirs to talk about it, but. I took a frogfish specialty course in Darwin because there's a marine biologist there and it's one of the most concentrated places in the world to see them and, and a lot of different species of frogfish. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm excited more than most people will be, but uh, they make for super good uh, videos and and that's just Darwin. And then you got every, every dive site in the Philippines has something different. So if you're not into muck diving and just, rare critters you can go to apple island which is all it's really really beautiful reef like it's it's some of the best reef in the world and one of the best aquariums in the world is the chicago aquarium and they came here to apple island and uh modeled their entire reef their entire aquarium after after the reef around apple wow so you you know south hundreds of turtles big schools then you go somewhere like corona and it's just full of uh shipwrecks it's just entire bay full of uh, japanese fleet that was sunk by planes and also some of the planes that sunk so there's just tons of wrecks there uh malapasqua sure seen uh thresher sharks anywhere else and i've seen i've been there three or four times and i guarantee see them every single time so that's really a unique spot. But there's also tons of other stuff there, like Gato Island. Uh, then there's whale sharks sites. There's man sites. Everything. So Philippines is insane. I'll explore it forever and not see it. San Indonesia, and it's the same. Uh, lots of different locations. Uh, Egypt. Egypt is is probably the best in the region. It's better than anywhere in Europe or Caribbean or America, and nobody knows about it. So 
Uh, Europeans know about it if you're a hardcore diver because they all fly to Egypt. It's super cheap, you know, super close for most of it. And so everybody goes to Egypt if you're diving. And I spent, I ended up spending a year there and it's, it's incredible as well. So I, I could go on all day. There's a million amazing locations. I got to dive in the Dubai Aquarium, the second biggest uh, aquarium in the world. They flew me down and me and a friend and we dove in there uh, twice. That was really unique because it was uh, just completely full of sharks and we got to go holding a big camera. They had to have shark divers with me where they just kind of push them away, you know, because I'm not watching my feet or whatever. So they just have a stick to push them away from me. <laughs> Cause I'm not paying attention. So that was unique. It's not, it's not the ocean, but it was my first time really close to loads of sharks. So, and right now I can mention Mexico cenotes cause I'm writing about it. So it's kind of on my mind, but there's a ton of cenotes in uh, the Yucatan, not the rest of Mexico, but right in the Yucatan and Belize there's, uh, I have a list of like a hundred cenotes that, uh, they're incredible, especially if you get a cave diving uh, license and can really explore where nobody can go. Uh, it's an amazing place. you got to see once at least. You pretty much covered the world. You haven't mentioned South America, and you haven't mentioned much about um, – you mentioned Egypt, which is in Africa, but, you know, the rest of Africa and Australia. Uh, tell us about maybe some well, top spots in well, – I, I can go on all day. Uh, South America – uh, a unique dive is in Easter Island. They have they sunk some of those heads, you know, those famous Maori heads. Uh, you can actually, I think they're Maori, but you can actually dive to those. It's not an incredible dive or anything, but it's really unique. There's a really clear lake in Brazil. I think it's called uh, Bonito or something, or a river, and uh, you can dive there. But I think, in my opinion, everybody knows about Galapagos Islands. Uh, I, I have some friends there that are there that are stationed there as marine biologists studying whale sharks and uh scientists basically know nothing about whale sharks they have no idea they've never seen them give birth they've never seen babies um so they're they are seen a lot in galapagos so they're trying to figure out they're trying to learn more about them but everybody knows about galapagos um but C colombia is somewhere that uh people need to discover it's one of my favorite countries it's it is my favorite country in south america that i've been to and i've almost been to all of them but for diving it's also insane it's uh it's incredible and they got it on pacific side and the caribbean side and then it's the same in panama there's a uh, I can't i can't think of the name but there's a little island off of panama on the pacific side that is insane diving just shark hammerheads and only really hardcore divers go there, so it's kind of fun. Like some of these places, like Cancun, you go, and it's people that just learn, and it's hard to dive with them. And the dive master has problem keeping up, uh, keep track of them. But some of these places, only hard. Um, and then, of course, Costa Rica has Cocos Island, which to me is is the new Galapagos. It's, it's geographically right next to Galapagos off of Costa Rica, the Pacific, but it has, it's also a marine sanctuary and it has tons of hammerhead sharks, whale sharks, anything you can think of, but they have, you know, those famous uh, schools of hammerheads that are just circling and it's one of those places in the world you can see that. The only places I could think you could see that with just thousands of hammerheads would be Galapagos, Cocos Island, 
Layang, Layang in Borneo, Malaysia, and maybe uh, a spot in near Tahiti in Polynesia. So those those are incredible in South America. Um, I still want to compare them, except for Galapagos and Cocos. I want to compare them to Southeast Asia, but uh, it's still it's amazing. And what else did you say? Africa, Africa. Yeah, you might as well man. We haven't covered Antarctica. We haven't covered much of Europe, and we haven't covered Australia and Africa. So might as well cover the world. Go on, continent by continent. Yeah. What did you say? Antarctica? They, they're, they're doing these cruises now where you can dive under the ice. I haven't been just because it's so expensive to do. We're talking even with sponsors, which would cover like $20,000, $30,000 trip. I still need to do a dry suit course and like 30 dry suit uh, under the ice dives. It's, it's a really... It's a lot of training, so I haven't done it yet because I'm in my flip-flops in Philippines, but it's on the list. But it's a really, really incredible dive you can do under the ice. They're still discovering species and stuff. Um, in Africa, of course, they have the famous sardine run in South Africa. Uh, it's like once a year there's a school of sardines that's like kilometers long, and divers can go down and watch sharks and whales just grab the whole thing, and, and birds dive from the top, and it's, it's amazing. I got certified in Mozambique, and that's a huge whale shark and uh, manta ray spot, and and humpback whales. So yeah, my first dives, I was with humpback whales. It was it was crazy. But I don't know a whole lot more, except for Madagascar. I don't know a whole lot more about Africa. I know you can, of course, but uh, I, I hey, haven't been a whole let's lot cover more. Europe. Oh, Kenya, Kenya's an up and coming spot. I drove off of Yanni Beach. In Kenya, that was incredible, and nobody, know, there's no infrastructure there. There was like one dive center, um, but I was diving with whale sharks and just a lot of cool species that I haven't seen before. So Kenya, maybe one day I'll get popular. In Europe, there's not a whole lot. I could surprise you, maybe. Um, I had a sponsor based out of Ireland and he claims it's the best diving in Europe uh, it's shipwrecks it's in Europe which is saying a lot and there's actually reef and stuff to see not like warm water reef but just soft corals and a lot of, a lot of stuff to see so, and that's in North Ireland uh, near Donegal <laughs> so who would have known Ireland has amazing diving of course you could dive in Iceland and, and Silfra and all that Malta, Malta's the best I've seen so far, but they got some shipwrecks and cool stuff. But Italy, right next door, like Sardinia, they got some shipwrecks and they have uh, Asinara, I think it's called, Marine Park. And it's, it's really cool. But Europe and the Mediterranean just seems dead to me compared to everywhere else. Um, it's just formations and rocks and shipwrecks if you can find them. It's not like the Red Sea that's right next door that's just covering everything. Um, so it's okay. Croatia, Albania, uh, Turkey, a lot, a lot of shipwrecks. So, but I, I still want to. I, I think it's a little. It's a little lower. It's a little better in Caribbean than Mediterranean, but neither of them uh, have the life of the Pacific or the Red 
or Southeast Asia. So it's, uh, it's most Europeans travel. <laughs> so Justin, you know, all of my listeners from Australia, New Zealand, the South Pacific, they're going to be really upset if we didn't cover Oceania and this region of the world. Of course, you have the Great Barrier Reef, you got all those uh, South Pacific islands. Uh, tell us about that region and uh, we can conclude our tour around the world by recommendations for top dive spots in Australia, New Zealand, and the South Pacific. Yeah, of course, Australia has uh, the Great Barrier Reef. Everybody knows about it though. So if you want to get away from the more common places, they, they have some crazy diving that nobody really knows about. I have a friend that dives right in Sydney and uh, sees some crazy stuff. It's not like a world-class reef, but they see wabagog sharks and all kinds of cool stuff. It's pretty. It's actually surprisingly decent for such a big city. Um, and then Western Australia, Ligaloo Reef. Uh, there's a lot of whale sharks there and stuff, and they, they take out the planes and find the whale sharks and call the boat to, to bring you over. And then... That's, it's pretty good diving there. Uh, there's a lot of there's actually a lot of hidden caves around Australia that nobody knows about, and one of them on my list is uh, on the top 100 list is Cockledidy Cave. It's one of the biggest caves in the world. You can dive in there. Not very many people have explored it, and I really want to go there. Um, New Zealand is it has some cool diving, like in the Poor Knights Island and stuff like that really really cold and uh you know not not reef or anything just a lot of formations and cool stuff different reef like black corals that you don't see many other places uh lobsters and stuff like that caves but poor island is really famous the pacific is insane uh, the pacific has Pulau uh, areas in the world, maybe. Uh, Tonga has uh, has a huge humpback whale migration that you can see every year. Um, so that you know is is popular. It is. It has. It's a, it has some incredible dives. Um, that's about it. I mean, you go anywhere in the Pacific, and you're probably going to find some good diving. Awesome. Thank you for that, that world tour of the top dive spots around the world. I could literally listen to you for hours just uh, explaining all of your passions for the different cities and countries and regions. Uh, so in terms of um, first-time scuba divers, a lot of people, they might be scared. They might have, have never done it. Maybe they've just snorkeled. Uh, for me, I've, uh, I've snorkeled around the world. I've been in Dahab, Egypt. I've been in Greece and uh, Central South America and here in Asia and the Philippines. In Australia, I ended up doing a dive. But uh, I never really got into it in terms of diving professionally or in terms of getting my pup paddy or uh, doing it regularly. So a lot of our listeners may have never done a dive. You've literally done the hundreds of the thousands. So what advice would you give to someone who is a brand new rookie amateur diver who wants to dive for the very first time, Justin? Well, you totally cut out there, but I think I got the question. <laughs> uh, I think the two main aspects are a really good instructor and a really good location because like Dahab is an incredible uh, 
location for a first time diver or to learn diving. It's just, you can go right offshore there, a lighthouse or Canyon or islands or whatever. And, uh, no, there's no boat. There's no current. There's no huge waves. There's no, no technical thing about it. So a really easy dive site where you don't have to worry about all that other stuff that you can learn later is, is key. Cause I, I've seen, I've had people tell me they, they got certified in like Galapagos islands or I don't know, some, some crazy thing. And it just put them off diving forever. And I was like, no. And then we, I take them to just somewhere easy, somewhere sandy shore, you know, don't have to deal with anything, no waves. Your instructor can take as much time as he wants. Um, you know, you're not going to drift away from a boat or there's a hundred things. So if it's a really good spot, like easy spot, that's the key for the first time. And the second time is a guide because even if you have a, or a good instructor, because even if you have a perfect spot, uh, I've had, I, I know people that have had really bad instructors and just pushed them too hard. Just trying to get that money, just trying to get them certified quick, not really teach them, pushing them past the limit, all kinds of stuff, really unsafe, whatever, just scared them. Didn't, uh, take their ears into account. Didn't, you know, um, like they say in school is just, there's no bad students. It's bad teachers. I, I think anybody can dive. Um, it's just, it's just getting uh, it's just getting the right guy to show you how. Um, and I think as long as you can get past ear problems, which tricks and stuff, as long as you can get past that, I think anybody could dive. I've been with people that have drowned and just wanted to get certified just to prove themselves that they can do it. And they were hyperventilating and wow. totally freaking out, and the guy was perfect and, and got them certified. So – if he could do it, 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 I think anybody could do it. It's just a matter of the right teacher. And I think for any like true blue traveler trying to explore the world, you need to you need to dive because most of the world is underwater, and especially the unexplored world where there's things that you can still find that nobody's ever seen, places you can go that nobody's ever been. It's all underwater, so yeah. everybody should try. Definitely a good point. I'd love to cover the fear factor. Uh, you know, when you haven't done something, you're going to be scared, whether that's a skydive, whether that's a paraglide, whether it's a parasail, whether it's a scuba dive, whether it's even snorkeling or swimming for the first time, you're going to have fears because it's the great unknown. Uh, so what would you suggest are some ways, strategies, tips to alleviate those fears, the internal, mental, the emotional fears? Uh, it's got to be just committing and finding uh Find somebody like that can tell you, that can recommend a real good teacher. Uh, even a one-on-one -on -one instructor, maybe you pay a little more. But if you get that and they could go as slow as you want, they could go, you know, they can, they've, like I know instructors that have taught 10,000 people. So obviously everyone, you know, they're not all that were scared to death, but he knows strategies, you know, that he knows so many different ways to deal with different people um, and get them comfortable with diving. And that's, that's really the only way to get over it is just to do it. And, but have somebody that's not real hardcore and just, you know, like, like Koh Tao, this is a horrible place to get certified. 
it's one of those, it's like a factory. It's, it's actually Patty's number one, uh, certifying destination you know, for Patty certifications. Um, but you go there and it's just, they're just cranking them out. One instructor will have like 10 students at a time. And I, I mean, what if, what if, what if nine of the students are fine or eight, but two of them are having a problem. They're like, screw this, you know, they're never going to do it again. Um, so just, just a really good, uh, location and instructor that can take care of you. And I think, I think you'll be fine. And then, and then I, I, re I highly recommend advanced taking the next course advanced first course. They get you certified. You, you can do it. You can go to, I think it's 18 meters, I think. Um, but the next course they work on whatever you need to work on. So if you're scared of this, you're scared of cleaning your mask or losing your mask, they work on that. If you need help with your buoyancy, uh, which is a huge problem, they work on that. They work on whatever you need to work on. They, it's not just, uh, okay, take this test and then you'd be certified for a few more meters. Um, it's like any skill in the world. You gotta, you just gotta do when you get better. I think I think the best course you could do is up to rescue, because even after I've done like sixty or a hundred dives, I took my rescue course, and that's where they really hone your skills and work on everything you really need to work on. And I mean, you're already certified to a certain depth. You're already certified for CPR and all that, but with the rescue, they just really, really do your skills. And that's where all, I think that's where I got my confidence after that. I thought I was confident and good, but after that I, I was really confident. And I, I've seen most people say the same thing. That's a rescue course. Justin, I'd love to cover uh, more of the equipment and also the cameras uh, that someone maybe who's not a rookie, who's not no longer a first-timer, and they're moving along the way, not as far as you, obviously, but what kind of equipment would they need? Obviously, you have your, uh, your suit, wetsuit, dry suit, you got your flippers, your masks, uh, your oxygen tanks, then you maybe some more advanced gear, and also what kind of camera gear, your GoPros or uh, fancy tech uh, cameras. Walk us through the equipment and also the cameras. Well, first of all, never call it flippers. That's weird. That's like a dolphin. Fins <laughs> is okay. Um, I don't honestly. I don't meet very many divers, even frequent divers, uh, that own their own equipment. Especially traveling like me, um, that's a lot to carry. But I mean, I do. But if you if you need something that you really have to have, the first thing you should get is a dive computer. Uh, I'm not wearing mine, but uh, you could rent anything at any dive shop, but they don't always have dive computers. And you should, I think you should always have a dive computer, even if you're following dive masters or whatever. Uh, I think the best gear you should have for yourself is a dive computer, if nothing else. Uh, the second one it would be a, a mask. When I when I'm not really working or caring, I'll just bring my mask because my mask I hate the rental masks 
the ones that give you at the dive sitter just annoy me the whole of mass that fits so i mean you don't really need if you're if you're a big guy or a tiny guy that's hard to get a a wetsuit for then you could carry one your own custom made whatever but um every dive sitter i've been to they you sign in and they give you the equipment usually same price so if you don't want to travel with it most people don't you regulator everything but a tank and weights so it's not it's not easy so just get a computer and ask you'll be all right for for a camera i have everything from a gopro with the red filter and a, a dive housing which is like five or six hundred dollars uh up to uh a compact with the housing and trays and lights which you could you know maybe four or five thousand dollars or i have uh, a dslr full frame with uh housing lights all that which is with lenses you know ten twenty thousand dollars thirty thousand i have friends with a hundred thousand dollars so it just depends on what you want to do for i mean we're talking about everyday divers gopro is definitely enough but you have to have a red filter for sure it'll always be that green shitty color and then uh if you just have a gopro then all you need to worry about is uh staying steady well i guess if you're doing photos it's not so much but uh you see all those shaky uh videos from gopros underwater and it's because the camera's so small there's no area and it's so easy to move you know my giant dslr with handles and you know 20 pounds it doesn't move in the water I don't have to worry about that. So, but the little GoPro on a stick, it's so shaky. And so it's a lot of practice. <laughs> but for the most important thing about underwater photography is buoyancy. So until you have a lot of dives and perfect that, I don't even recommend carrying a camera at all because you have a lot to worry about, especially my giant DSLR. We're talking about 30 pounds, you know, a chain, uh, my lights, my lights like this big each and $750 each. And my dome is, so you you got to get really good at diving first because that's a lot of money to lose or something go wrong or whatever. So Justin, I'd love to cover your blog. So Art of Scuba Diving, you mentioned that you've taken it from a hobby to now a full-time career. Uh, walk us through that journey. When did you start the blog? Uh, tell us about some of the themes and topics and then uh, walk us through that journey. <laughs> well, that's... That's half true. I actually, my first blog was not the one I have now. I used to own another blog and that's my first one. So I went from hobby to uh, full time on that, but I ended up selling it last year. I got a, a big paycheck, just kind of started this one. I, my, that was my whole reason for selling is I wanted to be, that, that one was mostly travel with the scuba theme scuba niche whatever um because i mean i've been to 89 countries but i've only i've only been diving in 35 or whatever so obviously i had a lot more travel stuff so i sold that website last year the end of last year and i started art of scuba diving.com just to kind of dominate the scuba niche and that's that's what i did i already had a lot of sponsors and ambassadorships for the old website and i just kind of kept them started new put a ton of money into hiring writers and editors and uh 
my VA and everything like that just to kind of explode on the scene with the, with the new site. And that, that's kind of what it's done. So I don't remember your other question, but uh, it's, it's really only started in 2018. Uh, of course, like my social medias and stuff, but I had, you know, I had subscribers and, and people just kind of crossed over anyway, but this is a new site. Yeah, no, uh, my other question had to do with monetizing because a lot of bloggers, they start out and they give up because they haven't made money or they're making part-time income. But very few bloggers, uh, you're definitely in the minority, have made it into their full-time career. So what have you done? What have you done differently in terms of monetizing? And uh, maybe you can share uh, with them I, tips. I think I've done everything different, to tell you the truth. Um, I'm in a lot of blogger groups and I have a lot of blogger friends and we talk and share, you know, I'm in some mastermind uh, call uh, groups and we, we sh share strategies and stuff. So I, I think I do a lot of stuff different. First of all, I, on this site, I never take sponsored posts, which is the main income for 99% of bloggers. And if, if you don't, I'm sure if you've talked to 400 bloggers, you know what sponsored posts are, but basically People are getting emails because their site has a certain rank on Google. They're getting emails from brands like Expedia and countless other say, I'll give you a hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars to put a article on your website with links to my website. So they do it. That's easy money. I mean, I, I did it on my first blog. I mean, six figures, uh, but it's detrimental when you make, First of all, I, I did a talk about this at last TBEX, in fact, but first of all, when you're taking easy money that you don't have to work for, you don't have to do anything for it, then you kind of just, you just kind of mess around. You don't, you're not in desperation mode where you have to, you have to put a ton of work into something bigger, something more sustainable. And that's what I found. I was mentoring a few people and we were, we, we made a big strategy, content strategy, affiliate marketing strategy, sponsors, all that. But as soon as they got, they got some contacts for sponsored posts, all that work went out the, the window. I mean, why, why would you write 3,000 words a day if, if you're getting paid for nothing? So that's what all these guys are doing, and it's not working. you know. And then all of a sudden they get caught by Google and they get banned, and all of a sudden their sponsored posts, money goes to zero. But that's the only thing they've been doing for a year or two years. So um, – their income went to zero and they're stuck in uh, Africa or wherever, you know? So well, that's not a sustainable, in that's not a sustainable business. So I, I don't take any of those. And then um, I had Europe, uh, that's a scuba insurance. Um, and a lot of, a lot of small sponsorships like Sunto and, just countless others that I just work with one, you know, I'm not an ambassador, but I work with here and there. Um, but the main, the main goal for this site was something in between TripAdvisor and Airbnb. So we're dominating certain areas when it comes to scuba diving on Google. And pretty soon I have a developer making me a, a booking system for the site. And so right now I make money from affiliates where you just refer people to booking.com or whatever, Agoda, and I make uh, commissions or whatever, just like a lot of people, but we're, we're soon going to switch it out so I have my own 
booking system and make a much, much bigger commission because I'm working with the dive centers, the tour guides, uh, whatever to make, uh, to make my own, not my own guided tours, but just my own deals there where I can do markup and commission because booking.com, all these things you can make, you can book a hotel and that's it. Um, on trip or get your guide, you can book day tours or whatever, but there's no, there's no sites where you could book an entire week. So you could book like a week of diving and maybe I'll get a hundred of $20 commission or you could book a week of hotel and diving, which is $3,000, you know, so it's a much bigger long-term strategy. One, one of them. <laughs> So Justin, because you've become so successful as a blogger, I'd love for you to pass on some wisdom to the newbies, to the people who are just thinking here in 2018, mid, mid, middle of the year, and they're starting a blog for the first time. You mentioned things like sponsor posts, affiliate commissions, maybe selling your products and services. What advice would you give to that person who's just starting a blog today, next week, this month, um, in terms of being successful, in terms of the finances especially? Oh yeah, sorry about that. We had a little bit of a bad uh, internet connection. My question to you, Justin, is for people who are just starting out as bloggers either this uh, uh, week, this month, what advice would you give them, especially in terms of uh, the monetizing strategies? Any tips or advice? Yeah, um, I know some people are in desperation mode and they need those sponsored posts, but I think they really are the... Uh, the biggest detriment to any new blogger. I've seen a lot of people uh, work with those. Um, wait until you're really big and you have hundreds or thousands of posts to do this in you. You can take no follow, stuff like that. So when really get my site and audit and give me a really strong structure and on-site SEO, um, uh, internal link structure, all that, just so everything you do after that is, is not for nothing. You know, I, 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 maybe you notice you write some big article, SEO article and nothing happens. You don't know. It just never gets on Google, never gets seen by anybody. So that's the first thing I do is have somebody that really knows what they're doing. Uh, look through your site. Make sure nothing is blocking it, penalizing you on Google. Everything's getting indexed because I, I really was getting – there was coding errors, everything that I you can't even tell. Uh, and I got that fixed, and within a few days, my traffic doubled. Um, so I would do that at the very beginning so that whatever you do next is not for nothing. And then after that, you just need a really strong strategy, a content strategy. Look at people that are – really successful and what they're doing. Even talk to them if you can. My, my mentor is Gary Art uh, from everywhere, everythingeverywhere.com. And we went through my site for months and months and just came up with the strategy. And, um, and after that, just kind of building the, building the foundation of the whole site. And then, you know, all this stuff takes a lot of time. So you got to build the foundation and grow. You're not going to, you're not going to be an Instagram star or whatever overnight. Um, I think the 
the, inf- the influencer culture is dying. Um, everybody can, I mean, everybody's Instagram famous and YouTube, Twitter. I don't know. Um, so this new side, I don't even have them. I have an Instagram, but no Facebook, no Twitter, nothing. I'm just putting all my effort, everybody I hire, everybody, all my work, every time, all the time is going towards the site. Um, where the big money, the real money is and and sustainable and passive, you know, um, problem with being Instagram famous and getting paid to go on trips is if you get tired and like I did last few years, um, if you get tired and don't want to go on trips, you don't get paid. If you, uh, this sounds like it never happened, but after seven years, 89 countries, many countries over and over, you do get tired. I do get tired and I didn't want to, travel but well there's a three thousand dollar trip to indonesia you know and so i have to keep going and especially with youtube my i was doing youtube for a while and that means i have to scuba dive every week like 10 15 dives a week just to make one video a week and it's just not sustainable but building a blog a website and treating it like a business with accounting and a, a real budget budgeting as much money that you make is possible to go back into the business that's way more sustainable for the future you're gonna hate me for three or six months but after that you're gonna you're gonna be glad you did so yeah um, really rock solid advice because everyone will tell you you gotta have a facebook you gotta have a twitter you gotta have instagram you gotta have a pinterest a google plus but your advice is uh, pretty much counter culture <laughs> counter blogger culture uh you'll be able to true both, a few both, years ago both successful financially but also all the all the yeah okay go, go on just go on sorry sorry yeah that was true when i first started my first blog uh but nobody else was doing it. You know, there was big bloggers. There was Gary Arndt, um, Adventurous, Kate, Wandering Earl, Nomadic Matt, you know, maybe 10 others. Um, so it was easy. People wanted stories. They wanted to follow interesting people. So it was easy if you're interesting to get real readers. Um, but now I can go on Google and type in travel blog or whatever, and there's thousands like many, many thousands. And every single one of them has an Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, so it's it's a business, but you're, you're just trying to – you need to be the most interesting person in a giant business or a giant competition. Um, but it's it's not really sustainable. It's If you want to make your – like I said, if you want to make your business uh, model after it being an influencer and trying to get – um, uh, paid press trips or whatever, then you got to have that, I guess. Uh, but <laughs> after, after that, then what, what if you have a kid or what if you, who knows? So even just get tired like me and want to take a year off, you're screwed. If that's your only income source, I think every business should have five income sources and every person should have five income sources. So if my business has five income sources and I'm only getting sponsored posts and Instagram trips, I'm really, really screwed if I break my leg, like really screwed, and I can't go on these trips or, or Google docs me and I'm a, a domain authority zero all of a sudden, and I can't get any more sponsored 
posts. And I'll say this about sponsored posts. When I started in 2012 or whatever, I was making $500. He was doing it. Started really, really. Same with press sponsored uh, trips. Am I going to pitch? Who else could I visit? Um, you know, so having a large passive income, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month, fifty thousand dollars a month. That's that's a real business. <clears throat> yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, you, you've been uh, such a incredible uh, amount of uh, insights and wisdom into so many areas, scuba diving and now blogging and just in terms of business in general. Uh, I'm curious to know, uh, what is your vision for Justin? You're based in the Philippines now. You obviously have this list of the 100 sites. You're uh, working on different monetization strategies. You're a future podcaster. So tell us about what the future holds in terms of your work, life, and travels. Um, I think I heard... Most of that question, um, like I said, I kind of just started this blog, this new site in 2018, and I really just started it in May. Um, I had the domain, but I had like zero articles and zero traffic, and I started a blogger challenge with uh, two other bloggers in May, May 1. So uh, we gave ourselves some huge goals for 12 months, to reach in 12 months. And so that means I'm not going to do any traveling this year. Hopefully. I mean, I still, still traveling around the Philippines, maybe Indonesia and back, but to reach this lofty goal in by next May, I need to basically stay here in my apartment. Um, we're pumping out at least 30 articles a month and, and uh, a million other things that go with building a site and not to mention tours and all that. So yeah, to reach, to, to win this blogger challenge, I got to have no fun, but I mean, I went to like 20 countries last year and every year before that. So uh, taking a year off to build a business is probably smart anyway. A lot, it's hard for people to think about that, but um People end up going on press trip after press trip, paid or not paid, and they end up having uh, obligations to, to write all these articles for these press trips that don't even matter. They're just writing bullshit. It's never going to be on Google. It's never going to be making money. Um, so I have friends that are going like two months of press trips and then come back and, yeah, they'll, they'll take three months off to work, but they're catching up from that trip. It's just a huge Backlogs, so I'm just staying focused, turning down every press trip I can, or sitting on press trip, doing no work, not worrying about flying around, nothing. And and I, I do sometimes people visit me, so I'm going to the islands, but that's why I live in Cebu because it's just, it's a 30 minute flight to anywhere in the Philippines. Sounds great. So, uh, Justin, in conclusion, how can you connect? You've already mentioned your, your site, obviously. I know you're not on all the social media, but your Instagram, your YouTube channel. Uh, tell us about how you want people to connect with you, of course, your site, and more. 
Yeah, I do have a uh, Instagram, but it's not me. It's uh, we just we just share the best dive videos or photos every day. Um, that's Art of Scuba. If you want to follow, um, and it's just the site. I, I do have a YouTube, but I, I also haven't kept up on there. Some of my writers are doing gear reviews and stuff like that. But uh, like I said, I can't I can't do 20 dives a week uh, every day, every week, every year. So I, I couldn't keep up with the vlogs. Uh, but Art of Scuba Diving on YouTube. So now it's just the site, artofscubadiving.com. Nice and easy, nice and easy. Uh, I'll have those links below, uh, you know, Art of Scuba Diving, Art of Diving, sorry. And you can uh, check it out across the World Wide Web. And, uh, you know, uh, definitely wishing you the best, uh, Justin, in your goal to reach all these hundred uh, top dive spots around the world. And, of course, to monetize your business to the next degree and win the blogging challenge. So good luck, my friend. And uh, it's great to connect here on the podcast. And we'll see you in the Philippines, I'm sure. Hey, if you get to Cebu, you know what you know what we got to do. We got to go down to Mobile or Malapasqua or uh, Dowan and and uh, get you certified. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Uh, so thanks again, All my right. friend, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you for being on our show here today. All right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thanks everyone for tuning in. I apologize there were some Wi-Fi issues, but hey, life is a digital nomad means you're never going to have perfect Wi-Fi. So uh, thank you uh, to Justin. Make sure you check out his website. Make sure you check out as, us out as well. We're at daddyblogger.com. You can find us across the World Wide Web. And of course, digitalnomadmastery.com as well. So thanks everyone and happy travels.